the reason a lot of us are unhappy in this world is because we're stuck in a rut, but we don't want to change and go do something else because we're terrified of what other people are going to think. Raz Khan, my man. He, we're live and you just moved to Scottsdale and it's amazing because you are the first ever guest on hashtag Raw and Relentless Podcast that has not only been here virtually, but now also in person. So congratulations, my man. Thank you, Patrick. I'm glad to be here, man. I love the studio. I love your setup. And Thank you. I am just amazed at how you got everything put together in this space and it looks so professional. <laughs> that's i guess what we were going for i i mean this room did not look like this before at all it was i had a shitty whiteboard right here i always had clutter everywhere so the the that wall had holes in it from just trying a bunch of different things out so literally fixed up and remade this entire room and we made do with what we got because it's tiny as fuck <laughs> that's great man and that's james dean behind you yeah james dean behind me so you can you know get the inspiration that's probably what made you want to talk about game. <laughs> as soon as you sat down in the seat, you're like, I want to talk about game. <laughs> we can talk about whatever, brother. We can do whatever we want. And that's the beauty because it's 2020. And if it's my party, I'm going to cry if I want to. <laughs> have you ever cried at a party? I have not. No. Never. No. I've, I think I've cried at a party before because I was taking a beer bong and my best friend, still my best friend, but I was really pissed when he did this. I was taking a beer bong and I'm down on one knee and I'm just like chugging this beer. He comes up and punches me as hard as he can in the balls. Oh my God. And it, I wasn't crying because my friend just punched me in the balls uh, and it was like a principal thing. I was crying because it really hurt that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, that, that takes a while. I've been kicked in the balls before i played soccer i've had a soccer ball okay hit me on my balls and it's not fun at all and it takes a long time you gotta like sit and stand they tell you to sit and stand like 50 yeah. times and then you're okay you know what's crazy my girlfriend nut tapped me the other day she came up she slapped me on the ass and so i like obviously move forward and then she nut taps me when i move forward <laughs> <laughs> this fucking bitch <laughs> that is an advanced move right there that's advanced and i don't even know think she meant to do it <laughs> I, was, I was like you officially figured out how to nut tap someone <laughs> in the best way possible that's hilarious but i wasn't that happy about it at the uh, time did it hurt uh she didn't get me that bad but yeah it i mean it was uncalled for <laughs> <laughs> so what's your impression of scottsdale so far as i as i take my first rogan-esque hit of weed on yes you are that on is the very, live pod that's very rogan-esque my friend uh, my impression of Scottsdale, I've been here about two weeks and a few days, and I haven't been able to go out much because of the crazy pandemic and the lockdowns, but I've gone to dinners a few times, I've driven around Old Town. Um, I like the vibe, I like the energy, it's a lot of young people, um, they're out there, you know, living their life, having a good time. There's also people that are working hard, like yourself out there, there's internet marketers, there's business owners, so I do get in the brothers gonna be great hopefully not yet it's still very very yeah, hot we're getting there uh, so i'm hoping that this will be a nice change of pace from from west hollywood and beverly hills for a little while for me to focus on what i'm doing yeah 
So, I mean, even with all the COVID stuff, you moved here during COVID, during shutdown, and you still feel like it's pretty lively? Yeah, I, I see the people out there. There's younger kids and, and everybody that's, that's having lunch and dinner because I drive by yeah. that, that area quite a bit. Yeah, it's lively. And L.A. is, of course, it's lively because it has to be. There's just yeah. 17 million people in, a, in in that space. Here, it's not the case, but people want to go out and they're, you know, not stuck at home. They're enjoying themselves, which I recommend. Yes, be careful, of course. Yeah. Um, don't give it to your parents. Be careful around older people, but live your life because this has been, what, six months now? You can't keep going. People are getting depressed. They're dying because of depression. August, September. Yeah, six months. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, is Old Town even open, like the bars at all? No, they're not. Uh, in fact, it was, I believe, 10 days ago, the bars opened up for six hours. And then the marshals came in and noticed that people were flouting all regulations, <laughs> not following. Somebody was dancing at the table, I believe. People are making out with each other. Yeah. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. And they said, uh-uh, no more. So they came back and they shut the bars. In fact, they suspended temporarily the liquor license for two bars in Old Town. Are you serious? Yeah, uh, it's not a temp. It's not a permanent suspension, but it's temporary, and it served as a warning shot, a shot yeah. across the bow, to you know, to get your ducks in a row. And then they shut down Old Town that same night. It's crazy, man. Damn. And, and like. I feel like you specifically, are you single right now? I am. You would thrive in Old Town Scottsdale. <laughs> thrive. I mean, I lived I, I lived in that city for like five years and went out all the time. I loved it. That's like where my game was built. And I feel like it's difficult, more difficult than the average city, but also the reward is much higher because the average girl is way hotter than most average girls in Scottsdale. And so if you can do game here, you can do it anywhere, but it almost, it's kind of like, I guess I've never done like a super hard drug like heroin and I never plan to, but I just assume like they say you get one hit and you don't, you like you're, you're hooked, right? Mm -hmm. You get a little bit of success out here. You don't even want to go anywhere else because you go anywhere else. Yeah. You might do it with less effort, but it's going to, the quality of girls not going to be the same, you know? You know, I, I want to comment on that because I've traveled to many cities overseas but also in america and it's very interesting every city's got its own vibe as you said scottsdale got it's got an interesting vibe it's a little bit harder to talk to women and to date them over there um, but once you do and you build up your talent then it's easier to do so uh, i spent a lot of time in denver colorado and denver is also known as menver because okay. there's just so many dudes and there's a there's a lot of good looking mountain men with big beards and beards are in now. Um, so it's it's hard, the numbers are low with women. There's a lot of dudes moving here just to do physical activities and sports and skiing and snowboarding. So uh, I do appreciate cities when I go to, and I've been to you know a lot of more places, but I appreciate cities where the vibe is good, the energy is good, there's beautiful women, and that's a really good space for you to be in. And I've lived in LA for a long time, and so LA is you know the next level from Scottsdale, but it's also very, very hard to sustain that level because everybody's got a bigger everything than you in LA. You get mm. humbled very, very quickly. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, uh, well, so what, fuck, I had a question, but I fucking lost it. It's the weed already. Oh, this <laughs> is what I was going to say. I was going to say, are you happy you got out of LA? 
I think I'll say this. Uh, as my focus started to shift towards business and online marketing, I wasn't w doing what I used to do before, where you know I was working the corporate job, I was doing consulting and sales, and the weekends were me time, meaning go out time with my friends, with the boys. Uh, and then when I got into my own business, you know how it is, you spend every waking moment working on your business. You jump out of bed on the weekend and you work all day on your business. Yeah. And so I think that I wasn't taking advantage of Los Angeles, what it has to offer. And then COVID hit and we've got a lot of people in a small space. And so it's it became a dichotomy of there's uh, friends of mine that were doing COVID parties and they said, fuck it, let's enjoy, let's have a good time. This is fake. And then there were other people that were telling you to, you know, stay away. And if, if I stepped out without a mask on to take a walk, there were ladies telling me to put my mask on and get out of the way. And I was like, that's too much, lady. We're outside. You know, I'm 20 feet away from you. It's a lot safer here. But there was this crazy dichotomy. And uh, I just needed to change a pace for a little bit. So temporarily, I subleased my place in L.A., moved here. I talked to you a couple of times before yeah. I moved here just to kind of get the vibe, make sure the vibe's still good. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I think a change of pace is what I needed, so I got that. And then, of course, as Scottsdale opens up, hopefully soon, I'll get to experience some more of it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you can't even form an opinion about it right now. But it does seem like when you go to Scottsdale, you know, I'll go to the mall there every now and then, probably every couple weeks with my girlfriend, and it's, it's popping, you know. Uh, it almost looks like people don't give a fuck anymore. But the the part that most people need to experience, especially you, is the bars. When that opens up, especially if you're single, you got to go out there. You're probably going to hate it if you have no game. But if you have a level of game, you're going to love it. And I highly recommend going to Dakota. That's my spot. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the club uh, from that movie Crazy Stupid Love. You ever You remember that club that they're all hanging out in? I didn't watch the movie, unfortunately. What? I know. I know. You are a guy who I literally met at an event that was taught by a previous world-renowned dating coach. And literally, you've never seen the movie where a lot of game stems from, I feel like. I don't. Man, I read the books and they got me going. Um, what unfortunately, books? The game. Okay. The game. I, I had a... So I'll tell you the story. Uh, it was 2007 when I believe I, I read that book, but I was in a relationship and, um, you know, it was going on for, for a year, year and a half. And we were just on the rocks at that point. It was just, we were just going our own separate ways. We're just, I was really busy. She was really busy. Uh, and so a friend of mine recommended, you know, read this book. And I said, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. And he goes, read the book. And I said, I don't have time. And I delayed it, I think for a couple of months. And then finally I said, what do I got to lose, man? So I, I got it on Amazon or I don't know where I got it. And I read it and I was just dumbfounded. I was blown away by what was in there because I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know this world existed, right? It's it's like anything you get interested in, you go deeper and you you realize there's a whole world. There's a, uh, a rabbit hole of worlds within that world. So yeah. uh, I got in the rabbit hole and um, it luckily it helped me improve my social uh you know, social dynamics, the way I talk to people, the way I can read people, my body language, how I communicate. So it's helped me in a lot of ways. Yeah. What about you? Uh, well, how old were you when you got into the game? <clears throat> I was 26. Okay. How old are you now? I'm 40. Wow, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. 
So that was like, oh, gee, when the internet first started, pretty <laughs> yeah, much. exactly. It was like, what is this world? I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was living in Denver at the time, and I was very athletic. We were playing soccer and kickball. So I had a good social circle, I would say. Uh, but we just started practicing. Did that make it easier on you? Do you feel like? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, you know, as, as they talk about it, social proof, when you're going out with friends, they know you, they high five you. It just makes life easier. People recognize you. Everybody's watching everybody, by the way. Yeah. We know that. Uh, and so when people high five you and talk to you and, and they see the interactions with the body language, it really helps you to be more confident and be able to approach and talk to people in a different light than if you were standing by yourself at a bar you know, looking at your phone. That yeah. is a weird, creepy vibe. That's the worst thing you could possibly do at a bar. Right. So rule number one, make some friends. It's what most people do when they go to bars. It's what I used to do when I was at college bars and I was in college and I didn't know anything about game. I was standing there on my phone and I used to complain about the fact that uh, it's so loud in here. You can't talk to anybody. You can't have a conversation. Those are the famous words of every guy who has no game yeah. <laughs> in a bar. <laughs> and so many people have said that because uh -huh. uh, as soon as I learned, oh, this is like this is there to keep the guys uh, like me out of the game. You know, <laughs> that way there's less competition for the guys who actually know what they're doing. <laughs> and you're a good looking guy, man. You're super tall. You, you know, you have a very good look. So uh, that goes to show that it can be hard for anybody. And we exactly. get it. Exactly. We get yeah. in our heads, and as Tony Robbins says, you get in your head, you're dead. 100%. You get in your head, you're dead. And literally, I'm glad you said that because the way I like to put it on uh, some live uh, live training I recently did, uh, I was telling a little bit about my backstory, and I showed a picture of me at 23, um, and I was the tallest person in my friends group. I'm trying to prove, like, look, I had a social circle, I had friends, I'm tall. I'm good looking. I got great teeth because I had braces for the first four years of my 20s, right? And literally, I'm at a, I show a picture of me at a New Year's Eve party with a girl standing in front of me and then two couples next to me. And I go, you got a couple to my right. You got a couple to my left. By the way, I'm the tallest person in the picture. And who's that girl in front of me? Yeah, that's my stepsister because I didn't have a date <laughs> and she didn't either. So we went to a New Year's Eve party together and they gave us a lay when we got to the New Year's Eve party. And that was like my version of getting laid back at that age. <laughs> <laughs> so if if looks and money and social circle and all those status symbols were the thing that gets you girls, it certainly wasn't working for me. So the, what was the missing piece? It was game. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into it? What's your story? Uh, so you want the long version or the short version? It's up to you, man. I'll do a, con a somewhat condensed version, but basically, um, I was talking to this chick uh, who worked with me and she was pretty, she looked like she was like 18, you know, just at the legal age. And I was like in college. So I was a few years older than her. I was, we were lifeguards at a party and literally not at a party lifeguards at work. Uh, and we worked together and I, I realized she had a crush on me, but I didn't have any game. And so I talked to her like talking. That was a term that I used to use a lot before I got into game. Yeah, we're talking. Right. And so I was talking to her for six months. I probably kissed her once at the very end. And she like kind of ghosted me after I kissed her because it had been six months later. Like, what the fuck am I doing with my life, bro? <laughs> and literally uh, it, it like beat me up that I got ghosted that hard when I finally felt like we're at that spot, you know, um, to where I could kiss her. And literally um, I wrote her like a love letter by hand. 
uh, and like was apologizing for anything I did wrong. And I delivered it at her front door or I put it in her mailbox. So she kind of lived in the country. And, uh, and I think her mom saw it and was like, what the fuck is this? And then just like kind of threw it out. I don't know if she ever got it, but I never got a response anyways. Um, because that didn't pan out the way I wanted, this is when I had a Twitter and I used to tweet like 50, 60 times a day back when I was in college. I was a tweeting fool. Mm-hmm. I don't have a Twitter anymore. <laughs> I deleted it a long time ago. Uh, and literally I was like tweeting, subtweeting about her, but like mean things, you know? And, uh, and so one of the other girls who also worked with us, who was also the same age, but also had the same name as her and hated her. Like they hated each, they were arch enemies. Um, uh, she started texting me to like start hanging out because she knew like she was trying to create drama. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I was like, "Fuck it, we both you. That's your arch enemy. I'm trying to get mad at her or get her to jealous or something to notice me, right?" And so uh, literally, I started hanging out with this chick, but it was like the same fucking story, you know, over and over. And I actually made out with her like sooner. Obviously, we went a little bit further, but uh, it was. It was because I didn't have the right strategy and I was kind of needy. I was hungry, you know, hung, the, hungry for validation. And I was like trying to romance her and all that shit. Um, same story. Six months later, I was super far in the friend zone. And so literally that didn't turn out well. Um, and that's kind of when I hit my all, all time low, I guess you could say. Uh, and I just remember I used to lay awake at night wondering like if I was going to be alone for the rest of my life, like not in like a super like bad way, but I would watch the bachelor and I would see like these older guys who were on the bachelor and they're like 36 and still single because they have to be on the bachelor to find women. I was like, is that going to be me? Like maybe I'll work out. Maybe I'll always be tall and I'll try to stay in shape. But am I just going to be that guy who's always single? Mm -hmm. And I did not want that. I did not want that to be me. And so that was like the, the motivation. The, the motivation to like get into game but uh as as soon as i kind of found out there was a better way um i went i went all in you know not at, at that point i was already out of college and i was trying to get into dental school and so i had like a year and a year and a half off um between before dental school started and so during that time i blew through all of my savings just going out to bars every night with anybody who would go out with me and i would just start approaching chicks there we go. Yep. <laughs> Learning in the field. And then I came here and it was just a continuation. And so literally in dental school, my first year of dental school uh, here, I went out even more when I got to Scottsdale because it's Scottsdale. And the way our school was um, kind of ran, first year students, class is not mandatory and uh, you only have one test a week. So it's everything that was taught in all the classes on one test Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. So my routine was um, go out Tuesday night through Saturday night, Sunday study a little bit, Monday pull an all-nighter, go straight to the test, and regurgitate it on the test, get a B or an A, and then f- sleep all Tuesday, go out again and repeat. And I did that every day my first year of dental, or every week my first year of dental school, then summer just got insane because I wasn't in class and had no tests. And then that first year, the first month of my second year is when I had probably already tried to, tried to like learn about online marketing during that summer. Um, and so that first year, the second year, first month, I was not sleeping because I was going to class all day because class is now required in your second year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 7 a.m., to 5 p.m. I'm I'm on the campus and then 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. 
I'm writing emails, trying to figure out how to make an email list and uh, grow my following online and start giving dating advice because that's all I was doing here, even though I was in dental school. And so for about a month straight, I slept two to three hours a night and I hit a breaking point after my first ever the first exam, like the big exam of that year, um, which I didn't study for and it was a practical exam. So they were judging our work on like model teeth and stuff. Oh. And I didn't put any practice into it because I was on two hours of sleep a night um, and going out still, you know? <laughs> and so uh, after 30 days of that, I took the test, didn't go back to school the next day. And I went in and basically told them, hey, I want to write a book about like improving self-esteem. It's kind of my passion right now. So I was wondering, could I take the year off, go after this and then come back, you know, next year potentially. And so the Dean was really cool about it. He let me take the year off and uh, I just didn't go back. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, but what was cool is like when, when I dropped out and I was no longer showing up to school, there were girls that I had hooked up with in my class. I had a lot of friends in the class. There's 150 people. It kind of felt like high school again, right? Um, but they're like, where's pa- where's Patrick? Where's Patrick? And they see my dating advice YouTube channel has like no subscribers. And one day I get like sh- a shitload of views on my five videos. I'm like, oh fuck, what's happening? The dental school class found it. And so I don't know what anybody said. Uh-huh. And I, I assume there was a lot of shit talking because nobody knew that and it's at the time it was very taboo to, to be talking about dating advice. Sure. And uh and so I kind of like turn a blind eye to any negative energy. I don't I have no idea what was said or what wasn't said. Um if anything was even said, I just turn a blind eye to all of it. Uh but what's crazy is 2 weeks later they announced um cuz they it was like competitive. So they would say who got the top score and they would give them a plaque that said top gun. And uh out of the, my whole class that exam or the practical exam that I took and then didn't go back after it, I ended up getting the Top Gun Award. What? And they said, uh, yeah, this person's not here to accept their award. And so I never got my Top Gun Award, but everybody was texting me like, holy crap, you got the top score. And so that's like the biggest like middle finger to dental school ever. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. There's one thing you said there. Uh, I'm sorry, what else were you? That's gonna, it. That's it? Yeah. Punchline. Um, I think the one thing you said there that's very inspirational, by the way, Patrick, is that you turned a blind eye to what the people were saying. And I think that's so important for young men, middle-aged men, older men, whatever, to understand, women to understand, is the reason a lot of us are unhappy in this world is because we're stuck in a rut, but we don't want to change and go do something else because we're terrified of what other people are going to think. We're terrified of what Sally's gonna think, or my friend, or my cousin, or my mom, or nobody cares, guys and, and gals. Just just take this into take this to heart. Like this is over and over the people that I see succeed, just go despite the doubt, just go despite thinking what other people are gonna do. So take the time, build the courage, and go make your move, because nobody cares. They think about themselves all day yeah. long. I truly feel like once they announce that ufos are real and aliens are here and we are just ants on a rock in space people are going to stop giving a fuck about the little shit right you would right, hope right <laughs> needs a cataclysmic event for them to say oh my worries were so little yeah you know which COVID is just the first shot in the bow man i don't know what's next i'm scared 
for the rest of 2020, but also like 2021 is not looking right from where we're sitting any better unless the vaccine shows up or something happens where the trajectory changes. Yeah. What's crazy is nobody thought it would last this long. I feel like honest, like I was getting a haircut today at my barber down the street and I asked him, how long do you think this is going to go on? And he just nonchalantly goes, probably till the election. Like, like, and he's so right. You know, what if this is all political? All of it. It, it certainly could be. It certainly could be. Yeah. I, I don't even know who would, who would do what and how it would start and whether China's involved, but China, as, as Trump says, China. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I don't know why he always says it in a way that like, I'm like, does he have to say it like that? Uh, <laughs> you know, is he uh, degrading them as he's saying it or? Or is it a special way he just I loves? feel like he degrades everyone he talks to. I think so, too, yeah. He's he's an entertainer, though. Like, everybody always points back to that Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> the mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, what president or a person running for president could be caught saying, yeah, you just grab her by the pussy <laughs> <laughs> and still get elected president? If anybody's winning the game of life, it is Donald Trump. I know. He just does what he wants to do, man. Doesn't give two fucks about the polls. Doesn't care about what people think. Anything he doesn't agree with is fake news. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You know, this goes back to another concept that I'm learning in internet marketing, which is to be polarizing, mm. right? The more polarizing you are, the better your people find you and they follow you, man. They, they love you. They buy everything you sell, they follow you to the ends of the earth. Yeah. But if you're like in the middle of the road, people don't, they're like, eh, I don't really care about this person because they're like everybody else. So, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but there's one lesson for entrepreneurs, for people that are trying to grow their influence and social dynamics is to be polarizing and don't like, don't go too much, don't go crazy, but take a stand, Yeah. take a stand towards something. So what, how do you, if someone's sitting there and they go, okay, polarizing is great. Like, I like to think of Instagram one minute video. It's just like a motivational thing where I think I kind of get it. And then it's like, what is that? I, what, do, what do I actually do from this moment moving forward? So Jason Capital, Instagram content, saying a lot of uh, arguably nothing, <laughs> you know. What does someone do with that? All right, if they understand what polarizing is, how do they do it? You know? Sure. So I'll tell you in my example what I'm going to do. Um, so for people that don't know, I'm an anti-aging expert and a longevity expert. I believe that very soon in the next 10 years, we're going to have technology that will allow us to live vastly longer lives, maybe 15, 20 years more. And as time progresses, in 20 or 30 years, we're going to get to this space or time called uh, the the age reversal or the longevity escape velocity where for every year that we age, we will have technologies available to turn our age back by more than a year. So presumably you could go to, you could be a hundred years old and look like you're 55 or 60. That's coming. So that's where my background, new background is. So polarizing. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like a lot of 55 and 60 year olds today look like 50 year olds. Yeah. 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 People, People are getting younger because we have, I mean, they're doing work on themselves, you know. Um, so there's some of that in the mix. They're doing Botox and they're getting, you know, fillers under the eyes and whatnot. What do you think of Botox? Would you ever do it? Have you done it? I've never done it yet. Um, 
I it's not for me at the moment, but I understand why people do it because it comes back to confidence, right? It's yeah. It's like I don't like the way I look, and and it might be totally okay for the person looking at you, but man, once you get in your head that there's something wrong with you, nobody can see it, but you go crazy. You think about it a hundred thousand times a day. Hundred um, percent. And so that was my story with hair loss. I lost my hair for about eighteen years, and I was completely insecure. I was. I hated it. I hated waking up and seeing him. Well, now you got a full head of hair. Dude, I grew it back. I was lucky I found the tools to be able to grow it back, and that's what I'm helping people with. It's one of the things is how to stop your hair loss and how to grow it back. So uh, if you're interested in that, um, then I'll have a website for you. Yeah. It's called growmybesthair.com. Growmybesthair.com. Go check it out. Um, there's <clears throat> tips that you can download. I have a question about yeah. Grow My Best Hair. So is it a supplement or a, a regimen? It's a regimen. Okay. Um, right now, hair loss is one thing that is multifactorial, meaning no one thing works. There is a pill that men take, a lot of men take. It's called finasteride, um, which has some side effects. But if they take that pill, it will slow down further hair mm. loss. It won't bring back the hair you've lost. But there's other technologies and other things you could do as part of the program that allow you to grow back in time, go back in time about five years for men. And it could be, you know, five plus years for women because women lose hair for, for multitude of reasons, more so than men. And when men lose hair, it kind of miniaturizes and the follicle shuts down. And when the follicles completely shut down, it's very, very hard to bring it back. Impossible right now, I would say in the current technologies, but for women, they lose hair for multitude of reasons and miniaturization is just one of the reasons. So they could be losing hair because of thyroid or because they don't have the right minerals or low sunlight with vitamin D and all of that hair, if it's not hormone related, it'll come back even years later. So women, you know, even though it's much harder for women to lose hair, it just destroys them because society doesn't accept even now, bald women walking around, and we've been men have been bald for hundreds of years. Yeah. So it's much harder on women. And wait, wait, I feel like some women look very majestic when they're bald. Who would that be? Have you ever seen a majestic bald woman? I have not. You, you look it up. Oh, we don't have a camera to look it up. But <laughs> majestic bald women. There was a girl on The Voice last season who was bald because she had alopecia, alopecia, and uh, great singer but she looked like an Egyptian goddess because she was bald. I don't know why. It was like mm -hmm. her persona, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I feel like the guy, and I'm only speaking from the, my experience seeing guys who have low confidence because of hair. And a lot of times it's very obvious because you can see their hair is bald or thinning out, but they're combing it in weird ways to try to make it look more full, mm -hmm. which I, I would say arguably looks worse than just going full bald. Right, and I've given that advice before because, because uh, what's his face? Neil Strauss wrote the game. That's the first thing he said he did. He said, I went full bald, you know, yeah. and I got more girls. Mm -hmm. I think the words he said, I remember those words because they were very stark and they shook me because I was losing hair. He said, um, bald, baldness is not a, balding is not a choice. Bald is a choice because oh, you're shaving shit. it off, right? It was very powerful two lines and I was like, whoa. This guy's on the next level. So I assume your regimen works, obviously, right? Yeah, I've I've helped 
hundreds of men at this time at this point. Okay. And I'm starting to help women. I've I've been helping. What percent of the world is that? Like point oh oh. Yeah. I'm just nothing. joking. <laughs> it's nothing. Nothing yet, but I'm just getting started. Hundred men is a lot. Yeah. Like most women haven't even slept with a hundred men. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So, uh, so here's my question. Does it, are you able to target how well it works to just the head area or is your back going to start growing hair? Are your pubes going to grow a lot faster? How does that work? Yeah, you can target it because a lot of the solutions that you use are used topically on your scalp where it's needed. There's topical serums that you can apply. There are supplements that you can take that reduce your hormone that's causing the damage. Um, of course, there's a couple of pharmaceutical drugs that you take that are systemic, meaning they affect everything in your body, one of which could cause you to grow a little bit more hair on your chest or your face. But last time I checked, no guy complained of hair on their face, <laughs> more hair on their face. So yes, you can take one of them temporarily for three to six months. I don't recommend anybody take a drug more than six months. Um, what I like to do is, is stack together a few of these things that work but use pharmaceuticals in a very selective fashion for three to six months to get all of it growing as fast as possible. And, and then I want you off the pharmaceutical. I don't want anybody to be in the ph pharmaceutical for long because I'm an anti-aging guy, man. I want to live a long life and I don't want to be like taking drugs and changing my body chemistry or the orchestra of our hormones in our life in any meaningful way. Mm. Do you feel like... <clears throat> Marijuana changes your body chemistry in a negative way? So personally, I will tell you my experience, and then I will tell you what I've heard okay. from other people. I'm no expert on marijuana, by the way, and so please take this with a grain of salt. For me, it, 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 marijuana, I've, I've tried a few times, and it, it just doesn't uh, jive with me in the way that I get super slow. And, and when I'm talking to people, I, I can't think. I understand what they're saying and even listening to them, it's like three seconds later, I get what they said and, oh. then, and then I start I start speaking, but my thought is three seconds behind the speech. And so um, I don't sound very intelligent when I'm in marijuana. I know that there's people that, you know, create beautiful songs and lyrics and have some of their best work while they're high on marijuana. So I believe it works differently for different people and it's just not what, makes me go or makes me creative in any way mm, that makes sense uh i guess so what have you heard about the the health effects of it like there's sometimes you'll see someone like a dr amen do you know who that is yeah he'll show a brain scan showing that it negative negatively affects the blood flow in your brain mm -hmm. over time um but then you'll hear uh like a lot of the healing benefits or the pain benefits or you know, obviously the creative benefits. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. What do you think? Do you think over time it's more detrimental to your health than anything? Um, it's hard to say, Patrick. I I don't take it. I don't smoke marijuana because I think that it, it harms my brain negatively. And the, the study or my, Dr. Mark Hyman showing that is, uh, is I think I've read that before as well. Um, now, having said that, there's there's people that take CBD for pain and they're doing uh, topical solutions that are doing. As we're talking about, I'm going to take another hit. <laughs> there we go. Go for it. Um, so it's definitely, it's blown up in popularity and a lot of companies have jumped on the bandwagon 
CBD this, CBD gummies, CBD CBD oil, CBD for sleep. Yeah. And it's it's kind of ridiculous. And I think a lot of this is marketing hype. And a lot <coughs> of this trying to get more money and trying to create something new for a consumer that doesn't need what you're selling. Like, see, I've heard of CBD for hair loss. I will categorically say there is no evidence that CBD <laughs> helps you re regrow hair. Yeah. No evidence. And a company makes a claim that it lowers inflammation. There is way better, way better solutions to lower inflammation in your scalp and systemically in your body than marijuana. It's just being put there to market. Yeah. Oh, here's the new solution. It's marijuana. Go. <laughs> yeah. You know, CBD 100%. or THC. So, so there's that. I had a girl tell me last weekend, um, we went out with uh, my girlfriend, group of friends, several other girls. It was like great ratio, by the way. It was me and my guy buddy, Clark, who's been on the podcast before. Thanks for the Our advice, girls, by the way. And then two of their friends. And so, yeah, so we were literally at Bliss Rebar, which is a gay bar right down the street from me, which is ironically the first few, the first place I took my girlfriend on for our first like five dates. We just went there because it was right across the street. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it was a gay bar until we went. <laughs> and the whole place, we were on karaoke night. That's why I go, because I love karaoke. I was like, oh, they're doing karaoke right there. And so we go, and I swear to God, show tunes nonstop. And everybody there killing it, hitting all the notes. And I remember specifically one song from the movie Rent came on and the whole place broke out into song and dance. Oh, wow. And I was I felt like I was in the movie, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so Bliss Rebar, we were there last weekend uh, and one girl told me she was in our group uh, and I, apparently she's a waitress there, too. But she said she was trying to get a job at Amazon two weeks ago and they drug tested her and she said she never smokes weed. But she failed her drug test because she take she took a CBD supplement over the counter and she's been taking it and apparently it has like 0.003% THC just naturally because it's CBD and uh, she said it's it's so minute that you can't you can't even claim it has it really mm -hmm. um, but it builds up over time and so she failed her drug test and it's just like black or white fail yes or no and she showed a positive for THC yes. right. And so they didn't hire her. What? And she said they were being so cunty on the phone. That wasn't her word, but that's my word. Mm -hmm. But they were saying, uh, she she was basically like trying to explain her, basically say it's from an over-the-counter. And she was like, yeah, the person on the line was like, I'm not one to interpret this. It's not my job. I'm just saying you failed, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, damn, that's harsh. That is and harsh. I, I was just like, it's 2020. You you're gonna not hire someone who's clearly qualified for the job because they had a little bit of weed in their system, right? Yeah. I I just don't know that I stand for the mainstream of any of that shit, and I don't think it's. I personally don't think there's any real reason not to hire someone. Like I remember back when Facebook started, I was literally on Facebook like. I was in college, right? And the big thing that the, everybody said was like, don't show any pictures of you holding a drink on your Facebook because you won't get hired mm -hmm. for a job. And that was like the big thing. So every time I was at a party, someone whips out a, a camera or something, I put my drink behind my back, you know? That's <laughs> like, that was the thing, mm -hmm. you know? But now it's like, 
yo, what am I not going to hire Faraz for something you're clearly qualified for because I watched you take a drink somewhere? Like, yeah. what kind of fucking backwards thinking is that? Because all these people who don't hire are probably also at parties drinking sometimes. Hell yeah. You know, so I don't personally understand it. And I was very surprised to hear that it still exists in 2020. Mm -hmm. But what I like to think is my life goal is to never, ever need a LinkedIn or a resume ever again. Fuck that shit. There you go. I think, you know, I've, I've spent some time in the corporate world and what I've learned is that it's in, it's easy to hire somebody, meaning you make the decision, resume looks good, you talk to them, they're personable, like, yeah, they'll be a good fit on the team. But then they get on and they turn out to be, you know, an asshole or not doing their job well, they're just not a good fit. You realize three months and it's incredibly hard to fire somebody, incredibly, because they can sue you, they can claim discrimination um, for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be that you know you are a different race or color or whatever. It could be for any reason. And so that's what companies are completely afraid of. I think, as you said, the model's gotta change. I think we have to be, maybe just do a, a three-month contract to hire. That Maybe that could be the starting point. Give people chances. And if they're not performing, then you say, hey, it didn't work out. But now you're not stuck with like eight months of paperwork that you have to file to let somebody go. Uh, it's incredibly hard to fire people and it's incredibly easy to hire people. Um, but then th these things get in the way, right? Because you you've got to use some kind of barometer, some kind of test yeah. to make sure the candidate's good, right? So Let them work. Test them for their work quality. So basically the argument is if they drink or party and have a social life, then they will most likely be very bad at their job or a dickhead. When in reality, if this person knows how to party, I'm thinking, oh, maybe they'll bring some positive energy to this fucking dead office. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> maybe they got good social skills, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's probably going to come in and bang half the chicks that work there, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But fuck it, you know? That's that's the world. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, so you, you go down any conspiracy rabbit holes at all? You know, uh, with COVID course i've i have talked to many people that are convinced this is made up that some are convinced china made it some are convinced the u.s is in cahoots they helped we funded the lab some are convinced that bill gates is the most evil man incarnate he's creating vaccines to you know get rid of, of a lot of the world's population which supposedly he wants to do um so so that's one there's a he wants to get rid of that's what people claim. Is that confirmed? I no. I I personally haven't confirmed it. Somebody, sh somebody was showing some kind of a TED talk where he said that. But is he just mad that he got passed up by Bezos, richest man? <laughs> probably. He's fucking probably. pissed. I know. He's like, I'd how be dare you? Too. You know, nobody likes number two. What about you? What are you? Uh, what are you into? Uh I'm in right now. I'm definitely into the UFO rabbit hole. I never thought I would be. Like when I was in college and I first started hearing about conspiracies, the first one I even fell into the rabbit hole on the internet was the JFK conspiracy. And I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't fall that deep. I just found one theory. I was like, whoa, what if things are different than the way I've been told? Like I remember I was in, in college and I was in speech class and this girl uh, gave a speech about is the moon landing real or fake and she made an argument for why it was fake and i said 
bitch, you fucking crazy? Of course we went to the moon. Like my mind wasn't open because I was ignorant. Yeah. It wasn't because I was rejecting it. It was because I didn't know that why would they lie to me? You know, I, I was just I was so gullible. You know, I was that kid in elementary school when the the girl would be like, yo, you know, the word gullible is written on the ceiling. I'd be like, no, it's not. I see what you did there, but I'm kind of gullible, you know? I just trust people. I feel like I naturally just feel like people are genuinely good if and you just got to understand what's causing them psychologically to be that way, right? Maybe they had a bad day or something. So anyways, maybe I'm just too trusting of people. Going back on topic, what were we? Oh, UFOs. So yeah, at the time, I didn't think aliens were real. I'd even seen documentaries about Area 51, but in my head, that was, I was like, I'm just watching TV. This is like science fiction. It's like, it's watch, like watching Star Wars. I didn't think it, it might actually be real. And I assumed if aliens were real, because obviously I had thought about it, like, are we alone in the universe? I just assumed that they wouldn't be flying, flying saucers because flying saucers are in the Jetsons. You know, that's not, <laughs> it's like on TV, right? Maybe their ship would be like Independence Day, I imagined, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, uh, I, for, I think it might have been the Joe Rogan podcast with Bob Lazar that made me just kind of do a couple quick Google searches to see if I could find any of this stuff that they're talking about. And the thing that got me hooked, where I had to just start digging deeper, was in that process, um, I went on CIA.gov, the website, and tried, or like tried to search CIA UFO documents or something like that. And on CIA.gov, they have... A whole section for all the released files on the UFO conspiracy. And they even show it to you. And in my Google search, I found one of the documents. It's an official CIA document. And it's like a PDF that you just, you're just looking at it on their website. And it shows pictures of flying saucers in the sky. And it's just the document what? of all the pictures that someone was briefed with. And they're why legit flying saucers. Why haven't we seen this? Um, well, you're about to, apparently. Because... Uh, they, the New York Times just came out, and apparently this is like part of the official rollout. Um, the first one was in April where they confirmed that there were some leaked videos that came out a few years ago. So people have seen them, like the Tic Tac video, the Gimbal video, the Go Fast video. They're just weird objects that these Navy, Navy pilots caught on their cameras mm -hmm. on their airplanes. Um, they came out a few years ago, but now the Pentagon officially announced and uh, told through the New York Times as the trusted source, yes, we, we will confirm that those are real videos taken by real Navy pilots, and those are real unidentified flying objects. We don't know what they are, and we don't know um, how they could potentially even fly like that. To our to our uh, From our investigation, they're completely against any of the laws of physics that we currently know, right? Yeah. So that's a big announcement. And then they say, oh, just wait for September, in the New York Times because they're going to uh, start talking about um, they're going to make another announcement. And so like in July or something, they said in September, we'll release more of this. But basically, we want to tell you that we do have crashed craft in our possession. What? That were not made on planet Earth. That is all they said. And so I'm waiting for September to be like. We have aliens here, you know, like, um, so it's a slow rollout and that's why you got to think about the COVID. Is it real? 
I personally don't know anybody who has COVID, but I know people who know people who have gotten it. How dare you say it? I know someone who knows someone who's gotten it and died. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not trying to say it's real or it's not real, but if you think about kind of like what's happening and what's causing it, well, a lot of the new shit is getting released through the media and March is COVID's here. Everything shuts down. April, well, February is Kobe, you know, um, but I don't think that's related. COVID, and then April is the UFO announcement, and then uh, Black Lives Matters, you know, the the protests. Um, everything's kind of going into chaos, and then it starts to slow down a little bit, and then they release, oh, yeah, we have Crash Craft, and that, that we're not made on this earth, you know. Wow. And so it's like a strategic rollout leading up to the election. So you got to wonder are they trying to cover something else up because the first person who kind of suggested this to me was carlos who's been on my podcast and when he was here he was saying uh most people don't know but hillary clinton had the trial that from back with all the leaked emails um during the first election with trump you know you remember the email type thing where there was a bunch of leaks so apparently the trial was in april but you didn't hear about it because what else was in the news you know, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. Mm. Oh, Ghislaine Maxwell happens to be caught chilling in a fucking house in the U.S., you know? Chilling, yeah. Okay, was that a strategic, like, I've heard it argued that there's no way she gets caught in that nature. She wanted to get caught. It was like a timing thing. It was like now was the time, you know? So you got to wonder, like, is this all strategized? What are they trying to cover from actually being the main headline story, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's very interesting. So a couple of things. I don't know what the heck Ghislaine Maxwell was doing in the United States. <laughs> Once Jeffrey Epstein got arrested again and then, you know, died, she should have fled to France immediately because France has a non-extradition extradition treaty with the U.S., so they won't extradite uh, anybody from there, even if we want Isn't to. Isn't she from France or is she she's from? British? Okay. She's a British socialite. Her father was very, very wealthy. So they have the means to go to France and be protected by the government there or any other country. And wasn't he marked in some way, like as a spy or something? Yeah, yeah. He was Damn. connected. So they're very well connected, right? What if she was a spy? What if she was like the spy who was uh, Underwood, not Underwood, it's not House of Cards, uh, Epstein's like handler, like keeping a close eye on him? Mm. That's very interesting. And what if that's why she didn't go? She's like, fuck it, I'm not going to France. Now's the time. I was in France, but now I want to get caught. I see what you mean, because I'm clear. I was doing it for them anyway, so what does it matter? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And going back to your UFO analogy or the story, man, I've wondered about this like everybody has like hundreds of times, right? There's no way in this huge cosmos we're alone, first of yeah. all. There's like too many planets that look like Earth, have the perfect temperature for life, but we're still thinking small. We don't even know what this life looks like. Right? Yeah. We don't even know if it's in our form, if it has hands and legs and eyes. It could be something else. It could be a different form. It could be, I don't know, like, you know, some other compl- other metal. It doesn't have to be organic skin. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what that is. Two, any country that has a spacecraft that accelerates like it did in those videos that you and I saw um, separately, but it just goes from zero to, like, thousands of miles an hour in in seconds right yeah we don't have the technology so any country that can harness that technology and reverse engineer it is going to rule the world for another 200 years because that is so advanced yeah 100 percent. what's crazy so my buddy brian who actually 
runs my YouTube ads for me. He was here earlier today. I totally forgot. I wanted to show this to him. He saw a UFO in Scottsdale. Literally, there was a UFO sighting that several people saw. Several influencers saw it in California. And it was like uh, like a Friday or Saturday night. And so people were talking about it because they posted it on their Instagram. Like, look at this weird light in the sky, right? And so my buddy is at a get gathering, right? It's in Scottsdale, right by Camelback Mountain. And he's like, yo, did you hear this influencer or whatever uh, saw the UFO? And he was telling his friends about it. And there was like four or five of them there. And they're chilling in the backyard, just having some drinks and whatnot. And as he's telling them about it, a weird light pops up in the sky right over them, right? And so it's weird, and he puts it on his Instagram story, and it blew my mind. I wish I had it. My phone, I got a new phone since then, so it's not on my phone anymore because I screen recorded it. But it's on my podcast, so if you check out his podcast, I loop the video over and over again on that podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so the video exists. But uh, anyways, it's a weird video because it's not a star-like light in the sky, that, and it's not even like moving in weird ways. It's a sphere and inside it, you see concentric spheres. So two concentric spheres inside of it. And it's, they're spinning. They're like oscillating. But it's so, it just looks like a floating perfect circle with floating perfect circles in front, inside of it. And here's what's crazy. Because I screen recorded it, I could slow the video down frame by frame. Because it looks like the, the light's hovering and just kind of zipping around real quick. And when I slowed down frame by frame, it wasn't zipping around. Motherfucker, it changed shape. It went from sphere to shell, uh, seashell shape, and then back to sphere, and then small sphere, and then big sphere, and each transformation only lasted one frame. Wow. And here's the crazy part. Literally updated on this last night, because this happened like uh, earlier this year, right at the beginning of COVID, right? Last night, I'm watching on uh, the History Channel or some channel, Luis Elizondo ran the UFO investigation program called ATIP for the Pentagon. And Luis Elizondo is the guy who helped leak the videos from the Pentagon and is also, he literally ran the Pentagon's UFO department. He stopped to now join forces with another guy, uh, Tom DeLonge, who is the head singer of Blink-182. They have a company called To The Stars Academy and they're just trying to disclose all the UFO files through their company, right? And so they are the ones who helped get those videos leaked. Here's what's crazy. He has a show um, called Unidentified where he's kind of talking about this process and they're going uh, and interviewing people and researching to figure out what more we can find out. And one episode I'm watching last night is dedicated to him going to Peru to research a a UFO sighting that was by a pilot and the pilot who was flying this, uh, it was like a flight from like the US to like South America or something like that. So he's like a commercial airline pilot. He says literally he sees this weird light off in the distance. Maybe, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a long ways but it's very short if your airplane's flying in the sky. And he recorded it on his phone and it was the exact same concentric sphere UFO that Brian saw in Scottsdale, and wow. they're making a whole episode about the sightings of this specific UFO, and I saw that last night, and it's the guy who ran the Pentagon, so if he's saying this is a UFO, and on the show, he's interviewing pilots, showing them the videos of the same exact UFO mm -hmm. that is literally on my podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the pilot's saying, this is not 
a light from another plane. This is not a vehicle that I know of. This is clearly a craft and it operates and is shaped in ways that I do not understand. Right? Wow. So Dude. this is legit UFO sighting, yeah, you know? This is amazing. This is amazing. Now, this begs the question, right? If they're here, which we believe they are, I believe it. I believe they can be here. What? They're not hostile. They're not attacking us. And they're not befriending us. So yeah. what are they doing? Are they just gathering intel? If they have technology that shapeshifts, they can probably gather intel from over the atmosphere, past the satellites, dude. What are they doing down here? And it's it's unclear to me what they want, but whoever gets that technology in their hands is going to rule the earth for the next hundreds of years. Yeah. Well, that's interesting you say that um, because going down the rabbit hole, the further down you go, stories start to differ a little bit because now you get people interpolating, guessing, and claiming things that are probably not true. So what I look for when I'm going down the rabbit hole is I, if I look at five to 10 different sources and try to get a collective story of what happened, I'm playing detective, I'm trying to see what's common between all the different ones, not what's different, mm -hmm. you know? And so basically one of the common threats is that they are here because of uh, of uh, the uh, atomic bomb. So apparently the atomic bomb, because that's a quantum level thing, and all we are chimps with bazookas, all we do is split an atom and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? We just go, oh, if I think there's a lot of energy in that thing, if we could just break it apart. And so that's what we do. And so apparently that because uh, the first ufo sighting was two years after hiroshima it was roswell and that was like where what where this all stems from right and so uh they say that atomic bombs atomic weapons because it's like an atomic quantum type of thing probably affects them <clears throat> and from the government they they think there's a hypothesis that the government um basically is in contact with the aliens or at least uh has some form of communication to where it's very clear that they don't want us to use atomic weapons because most of the sightings are always over the atomic weapon sites where we're where we're storing the bombs mm -hmm. and a lot of the famous sightings and like whistleblowers from the government who come out they say their their stories are them of them working at atomic facilities uh and then seeing the ufo and then the bomb is starting up like it's about to go off and then it shuts down like they stop it at the last second before it fucking nukes to russia you know and so like stories like that but it's not just crazy saying this the, mm -hmm. these are people coming out of the government out of the military saying this was my experience and we were told to not talk about it for the xyz reason right and so there's something to the uh, nuclear bomb connection there and i think that might be a motive that is very interesting that, yeah. is, that you bring it up. Now, if we are talking to them, which, yeah. of course, I don't think it would be one collective body. It would be different governments because they want to keep this extremely secret. This would be like secret, like level 100, right? You don't want to share with anybody else. Uh, if we are talking to them, uh, man, I just, I just wonder what are, we, what are we learning? How are we translating? What language do they use? Like, I'm sure somebody could come up with it, but that's, those are hard challenges to figure out the translation yeah. between civilizations, not even civilizations, <coughs> but like worlds. Mm. One, one thing I want to do. <clears throat> so I've talked to two people who have done this, but in Sedona, they have UFO tours. So literally you'll get a tour guide and this person will take you out to a place where it's really good to stargaze. 
and they have military grade night vision goggles. And so you're on this tour. She hands out the goggles. And uh, apparently when you're out there, she'll she has like this the the schedule of all the satellites coming over. So you can see the satellites going overhead, which uh, if you've never been stargazing, anyone listen to this, um, you can definitely if you get a good spot, you can physically see the satellites go. They look like stars that just move across the sky mm-hmm. real quick. Um, and then you you can see like planets and you can see the difference and you can see it's amazing. Right. But then apparently. And I've asked both these people because it's a business like if it's a UFO tour and they're taking you to see UFOs, you better see something or people are probably going to be pissed. It wouldn't last yeah. that long as a business. Yeah. Both people who I've talked to that went said that, yeah, it's really weird, but there's lights up there that you can only see with the goggles. You won't see them with your naked eye when you look up, but you got it. And they literally move in zigzags and ways that don't make sense. What? And so I, I want to experience it myself. I want to see them. But personally, I was telling Chris about this. I would be more satisfied if I saw a metallic craft like in the day. For me, lights don't quite do it for me. Yeah, It's like a magic trick. It could be an illusion of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if it's just a light that moves in a way that doesn't make sense and what and you have no explanation for it, I just need to, if I want to believe this, I want to see physical proof and I want to see an actual craft that my eyes can make out that doesn't just look like a ball of light in the sky. And even then I would probably not be skeptical. I would be skeptical that it wasn't just a a human made craft Mm -hmm. that I don't understand. So I want to see a physical alien too, (laughs) you know, dude, that everybody wants to see that. Now, speaking of, you know, watching satellites from the earth, uh, about a couple of months ago, the international space station was, and it does it all the time, but it was going over at a very opportune time, meaning around 6 to 7 p.m. over California. So a friend of mine called me. He's like, hey, get this app because the app shows you we're on the earth. You can point it anywhere and says, oh, this is the edge of the earth. This is the horizon. And here's all the crafts behind it, uh, under it. And here's all the satellites that are coming up. So you can kind of see where it's coming. And then it breaks open, breaks into the clear sky. And you see it's like it's two football fields in length it's a big thing it's a Uh big craft but it was lit up because the sun was shining on it and it was evening it was getting darker on earth Uh like up there the sun was still out there and so it was this metallic thing that was pretty large man you could see it It is the video you saw uh no i saw it passing over the earth okay you physically saw it physically saw it and it was very easy to see it was about when was this it was two months ago what (laughs) two to three months ago okay uh Maybe like March or April time. Okay. It, the International Space Station did a loop at a perfect timing, and you could just see the whole thing. Where you're like, whoa! It lasted about, I think, three minutes. Well, it covered the whole horizon and then went Damn. back down. That was really cool, man. So that was my first ever yeah. that anything I'd sighted. But number two, you were talking about Sedona, uh-huh. and part of what actually drew me to Arizona, by the way, Patrick, is the lore of going to Sedona a little bit and just exploring. And this may sound crazy to some people, but one, exploring some of these energy vortexes that people talk about. I want to know what the heck that is. See if they make you younger. Well, (laughs) that's coming. But two, I also want to maybe dilly dally into um, psychedelics on a, on an ayahuasca level. Is there a way you can do ayahuasca in Sedona? Do you know of a, yes. Okay. Yeah, there's some people that are doing it. I've heard. Can I, I have, go with? 
you you should come. I have a few friends I want to go with. So okay, let's make a trip out of it. Yes, let's go and let's you know down the better tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Deal. <laughs> Maybe before the end of the year. Okay. But the the more the friends you have around, the more people that you kind of know. The I've heard the better the experience. Okay. Is. So it's don't go with your mom. Don't go with your mom and don't go with strangers because you you didn't come out and say. I don't know anybody. There's no comfort here. You're just scared, yeah. right? Um, so there is a. I want to explore psychedelic medicine, like at that level, not not shrooms, but at a at a heavier level yeah. this year. You want to you want to go to another dimension. I'll go to another dimension. Um, <laughs> there's there's a couple of people I know that have done five meo, and okay. Mike Tyson did five meo, and he went to is on, that the is that the frog poison? Yeah. Okay. And he went to Joe Rogan. And he said, dude, 5-MEO, like, supposedly what happens on it, it only lasts 20 minutes. Ayahuasca lasts a couple of days or a day or hours, hours and hours. But 5-MEO lasts about 20 minutes. You basically lay down and you're transported intergalactically. You meet your maker. You see, like, different civilizations. You see different planets. You're, like, you're hurtling towards... Whatever you universe. Yo, I told Chris I want to do that. He goes, "What is? What would you expect to happen on on DMT? Because we were talking about potentially doing DMT. Is it the same thing or different? It's it's a little bit different, but you, there's a thing called five meo DMT. Oh, okay. Which I don't actually know how they all work together. I'm new to this. Yeah. I well, so <clears throat> I was telling him, I'm hoping I, I would be more disappointed if if I got. If I took a psychedelic, I'd be more disappointed if I saw just like geometric shapes and colors and stuff. I would want to literally hurtle into space and be going towards like a big galaxy and it's coming bigger and, and it, it looks like I'm going into a black hole or something. I want some freaky psychedelic shit like that to happen to me, you know? <laughs> no, I, I hear it's pretty freaky because you, you'll never forget. So is it talking. real? You think it's a figment of your brain just going yes. crazy? Yes. Or you think it's real? I don't think it's a pathway to Meteor Lord, no. Okay. I, I think it's, it's all in your brain. head. It's all in your head. So I could potentially tell my head, give me a village of just very big and tall, uh, but very fit Amazonian women who are amazing looking, like like from Wonder Woman, that whole village oh of all just babes my goodness yeah take yeah. me to that village <laughs> and don't bring you back yeah yeah just leave me there <laughs> leave me there man that'd be great i think you know they talk about setting the intention as something that's very important in this in this plant medicine realm so you've got to one be open when people i've heard from people if they're not if, they, if they're being dragged by their friends if they're doing it against their will they have bad experiences they just they so that would be my girlfriend she would never be down to do that yeah if she's um i don't want to say psychotic but if she like has fears or she's got some demons yeah and she's not ready to clear them out because this will uh what this does at, at its core is it brings you out of your body and it takes you out of it and then you look down at yourself and you say oh my god in the context of the world i am a nobody i mean nothing and this thing destroys your ego so you can get out of your own way. And and then the work is after you do, after you get out of your body and it's all ripped apart, then you've got to integrate what you saw and what happened back into your personality. So one of the things I worry about is, okay, let's go do this crazy experience that's out-of-body experience. But 
Am I going to come back and be the same? Am I going to lose my focus? Am I going to lose my resolve? Am I going to say, oh, I have to go save the oceans? This, yeah. That's my calling, right? Because Well, I if you do, you'll be thinking you're doing the right thing, right? That's true. That is true. That is true. So it's, part of me is like, I don't want to lose my focus. This is what I think I should be yeah. doing. But the reality is, who knows? I don't know what I should be doing. This is my best guess, and I'm running with it. But... So that's what ayahuasca and 5-MeO DMT can possibly do is is they open new realms and, and worlds for you. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I would definitely want to experience that. And if I like it, maybe I'd try to go back every night. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy who I smoke weed with sometimes in Kansas, he texted me the other day a picture. He ha uh, he has a little baggie and he's like, that little baggie is uh, is DMT. And I was like, oh, shit, you trying to get high, high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's trying to go somewhere, you know. Has he done it? I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear yeah, what his experience was. That'd be interesting. I've heard that ayahuasca, the gateway, is the baby that you, like, dip your toe in the water. So then why would you want to do the baby one that also apparently makes you, like, really sick and want to puke? Yeah. Why don't we do DMT to where it's 20 minutes and I don't want to puke afterwards? Uh, that's a very fair point. I think that it's so strong that the chances of, and I'm just speaking out of my rational mind, the chances of something going wrong, horribly wrong, is way worse with a stronger poison, right? As I think Hippocrates said. Is DMT a poison? They're all poison? frog poisons. They're all like plant medicines. Um, they make you, well, they make your brain create new neurons, but they also change a lot of shit up. So some of these are poisons. Mm. And so um, to me, uh, to me, I, you know, logically I would think, okay, let me dip my toe, see how I do. If I don't go crazy, then I'm ready for the next level. It's like Mario, right? You got to like eat the, eat the mushroom first, get big, and then you're ready for the next adventure yeah. to like jump on some more turtles. Um, so that's the way I think about it. Again, <clears throat> I, I, th I think that maybe talking to some more people that have done 5-MeO, DMT, uh, may change my mind. Um, yeah. But, like, ayahuasca seems kind of safe. Okay. I'm not sure about the other two. Yeah. I've seen, I saw on YouTube, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, is what does DMT actually do to you? I want to see some people talking about their experience. So I, I think I just looked up, like, trying to hear people talking about their experience on DMT. And I found a YouTube channel, and it's, like, in a European country, I think, and because they were speaking a different language, and uh, and they basically their channel revolved around them trying drugs legally. They were probably in um, Amsterdam or something, you know. And so one episode, and it's like it's not like a sketchy looking show. It looks like a kids TV show almost, you know. Mm -hmm. And it uh and it was like very well done, and you could tell that. There was effort into what they were doing, you know, making it like a cool process or whatever. And they did these very experimentally. And so one of them, one, it was like a guy and a girl and they would trade off. And so this one, I think the girl smoked the DMT and the guy just kind of sat there and hung out. And then they time it and they show like her heartbeat and all that stuff and her temperature. And she just like woke up 10 minutes later and was just like, yo, that was crazy. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and so that seemed very safe to me yeah right? yeah a friend of mine actually did it in california last weekend she did five meo and uh she said that she had never felt more intense love in her life 
for herself and for her friends, but mainly for herself. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, she'd gone into it with a little bit of self-doubt, as we all have, um, about ourselves and, and you know, about her body. But she said that it's there was so much love. It was overflowing. The You know, it, she just felt like she could be a beacon of hope for so many. And so she, now she's thinking of ways. And she was looking for purpose, too. So I think the um, her her reason for going into it um, and her intention were aligned with what she got. And so she got a lot of love. And she's now she's trying to help other people. She's trying to help firefighters in California that are like you know, struggling, trying to fight these fires. So mm. it's, it's very interesting what it does. And again, some of it goes to intention. Like you said, I want to like go to the Amazonian babes. Yeah. <laughs> you could definitely possibly do that. Um, I would want to try to, you know, like, there have been incidents in my when I was young that I don't even recall, uh, but I heard about them later, and I sometimes wonder if the way I react to some things might be from some of that early memories that you don't even I don't remember I was told of. So um, that's what I want to do is I want to try that out and see if I change in some way and if I react to things differently. So I'm intrigued, man. Um, hope hopefully this is the year where we where we get to experience some of that. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm so down whenever we go. And then awesome. we should also do the UFO tour to see if it's legit. I am so down. <laughs> okay. We're going to do that. And we're going to use the night vision goggles. Yeah. To, dude, that would be so cool to be like nerding out, looking at the the satellites, the stars with some real technology. Apparently this, so Clark, my buddy who did it uh, a couple weeks ago, and he told me his experience. This girl, while you're going up, she's like, it was, it was like a private tour, right? And so uh, while you're driving out there with this lady, Apparently she's just revealing or apparently when you get to the location and you're just chilling there, um, she tells you a lot of things because apparently this woman's obviously pretty deep into the UFO conspiracy. And apparently she's very connected with all the people who you would see as the UFO researchers on the documentaries and whatnot. And she was saying a lot of crazy stuff that like what if well, she said that uh, President Eisenhower met up with one of the aliens and remember i'm looking for commonalities between stories and a lot of stories where i look or where you might research it's very well known that and you don't learn about this in history class but in 1952 there was a series of prominent mass ufo sightings over washington dc and so uh you one might think that that's like them trying to get a meeting with the president or whatever right so shortly after that in 1952 after the mass ufo sightings everybody's in uh in flying saucer like anxiety horror like that was the, apparently the vibe around then and so uh there was a time in 1952 eisenhower goes to southern california and for two hours, the president of the United States is off the books, missing, right? And so the next morning they asked, hey, where were you at? And the official story to this day, if you looked into it, is he had an emergency dentist appointment for a chipped tooth. Well, it just doesn't happen like that. And so what's also crazy about that story is there's also very much talked about in a lot of different sources. There's footage of a flying saucer landing at an Air Force base and at that Air Force base, the apparently the footage was made by an independent filmmaker. Um, 
who was kind of just off in the distance filming, uh, the flying saucer lands on the base. Alien comes down, shakes hand with hands with the president, right? Yeah. So apparently they were going to let this independent filmmaker have rights to the footage, but then they asked, hey, can we get that footage real quick? We'll give it back. And then they took it and uh, gave it back to him and gave him permission to use it. But the frames, all the frames, the significant ones are missing. But the ones that you can find in random documentaries of this clip is an actual flying saucer kind of just flying over the hills, and then that's it. It's just like this on loop. And then, after that, all of it's gone, sure. right? So this lady was telling Clark, what really happened when they met. And apparently that alien, hypothetically, this is according to the lady, right? Uh, hypothetically came down, met with the president and was like, yo, I'm from Venus, <laughs> the planet Venus or some shit, uh, but it was like a planet in our solar system. I'm from Venus and I'm here to basically let you know the dangers of those nuclear weapons you have. And he said, apparently the story was, they can destroy the fabric of the entire universe and we shouldn't be doing those and so apparently he said we know the secret to reversing age living forever ending disease i'll give it to you if you just promise to stop making nuclear weapons and apparently the president um said they would i don't know what exactly he said but obviously we didn't get that and we're still making nuclear weapons and so that's why you keep seeing the sightings over you know, the nuclear installations. Um, so that's what the lady said. Um, so, I mean, if that's all true, I would hope that if they do disclose what they know about aliens, they disclose what they really know, which is they're in contact if it's true. I would hate for them to come out and kind of do this song and dance like Lou Elizondo is doing right now, who used to run the Pentagon program, but in his fucking show, he's acting like he doesn't know more than any of the other fucking UFO nuts, right? And he ran the Pentagon program. He's, uh, it's literally his show is so fucking boring because it's two seasons of him talking about the same three clips over and over again. Mm. So it's like if he knew more, then you, he would have more material. Yeah. So I don't want them to come out and just give us the fucking surface level shit. Like, oh yeah, we see these things in the sky. We don't know what they are. No, if you've actually met with these motherfuckers, then tell us about it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, dude, if we've been seeing UFOs since 1952. 1947 that's... was Roswell. Apparently there was other significant crashes um, that kind of get overshadowed by Roswell around the same time, but it's all post-nuclear bombs going off in Japan. Dude, that's 73 years we've had time to talk to these guys. I, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist. I think that if it's been that long, then we've established contact. Yeah. And well, I don't some know. Some are saying that yeah. we also have a space force that is made uh, of our craft, but from technology given to us from ETs. But it's uh, some say that it's already in existence and we have bases on Mars and whatnot. What? Yeah. Like the Starship fleet? Dude, you can go so deep down the rabbit hole and hear a lot of things, you know. <laughs> but uh, they, yeah, pretty much. They, they, they say that they're, we have bases on the moon. We have bases on Mars. Bob Lazar says, and Bob Lazar is the guy who was on Rogan talking about, I used to work at Area 51. There was nine flying saucers. Here's my experience. And that's kind of what started the whole Raid Area 51 movement mm -hmm. last year uh, was his interview on Rogan, right? And so... He even says there's bases on the moon, whether they're ours or whether they're aliens as like a base to keep. I don't know. Some also say the moon was placed there and it's a satellite placed there by ETs to help life grow on Earth. 
um, because there's a lot of anomalies about our moon. For example, uh, have you ever noticed that um, the same face of the moon always faces the Earth? We never see the backside of the moon. Yeah. The other thing is that we have things called solar eclipses. The moon is the perfect exact size placed at the perfect exact distance to where it perfectly blocks out the sun. Not kind of close, exact, right? So imagine Earth, Moon, Sun, and then draw straight lines on the edges of the, it has to be exact. And that Moon being in that exact placement in the way it orbits the Earth, it controls the tides of the ocean. It regulates a lot of things that allow life to exist. Some people say the Moon is a satellite that's like artificial, artificially placed there. And that begs us so many questions of, is the earth insufficient by itself to support life? Yeah. And then if it's insufficient, who created this insufficient, you know, glob of rock? Did it also, was it also created by yeah. some other entity that realized they fell short and now they have to create the moon to shore up some of the things that they missed? Yeah. Oh my God, that we could go down so deep there. What I'm more curious about, like, here's the only reason I'm into the UFO conspiracy at all, because I think there's a lot of evidence around it, but it also fascinates me because if you think about it, chances are we're probably not alone in this universe. The question is, are they here? Do they have technology that can get from here to here without having to go at the, the speed limit of the speed of light, which is why we're like, we will never get to the stars, right? right. Um, and so... If they can do that, that's fascinating. But it also would have to change what what is your view on religion, the creator, God? I want to know, do they have a God that they worship? And is that God similar to the one that everybody on earth worships? You know, that's what fascinates me because at the end of the day, we don't care about the other aliens in the same room as us. We care about the thing that created that what comes after life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is the endless fascination that humanity's had that I'm sure other, you know, cultures and civilizations and aliens have too. But yeah, like who created us? We don't know. We're in this crazy big bang traveling at light speed through the universe. And yeah. It's expanding. So with every year, it's getting harder and harder for us to reach places. And to your point, even if we do master the speed of light, we still can get to a lot of these places for a billion years. Some of these stars are literally one light, one billion light years away. There is yeah. no way we get there. It's unbelievable, right? Even light takes one billion years to get there. There are also some stars that we will never see because the expansion of the universe is expanding faster than the speed of light. And so yeah. there's, you know, if it takes the speed of light, if it takes time to get here, this blew my mind when I heard this. There'll be a star because sometimes new stars will pop in the sky. That's because that light finally reached us, right? Mm -hmm. There will be stars we will never see because the universe is expanding so fast that the light will never reach us ever, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That man. blows my mind. Blows my mind. And then, so we've got to find some kind of, uh, I think they refer to this in science where it's it's not a hole. It's some kind of a wormhole. It's a wormhole where it allows you to go from point A to point B uh, in seconds. Right? And these are like millions yeah. of light years away. Well, that's essentially what they're saying these craft can do. Because these craft, um, according to Bob Lazar, and here's another thing. Bob Lazar, his story is so compelling in 2020 because a lot of the crazy shit he was saying in 1980 that was science fiction back then is coming out to be true. But he's saying, we already knew it was true, and we're working on science 
at Area 51 using the stuff that you say is not true that we know to be true. For example, Element 115, you know. Also, he was very, it wasn't like he was making the argument for. To him, it was already a thing that here's the way it is. Now let's move on to the next thing, right? Gravity waves. Up until a couple years ago when we finally took a picture of a black hole like two years ago, right? The first ever real picture of a real black hole. Um, we didn't know. Wait, that was not that was not the gravity wave one. Well, actually, that one did prove that gravity waves were a wave. But there was another thing that uh, research has set up to measure minor warps in space time. And it and they built this multi 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 million dollar thing probably billion dollar facility that's really big and it's underground to maybe detect a gravity wave right if we got one gravity wave it would be success so that's kind of crazy that they would invest that much into that right mm -hmm. anyways we found a gravity wave and what it what it came from uh and it hit us in 2015 ironically the same day i dropped out of dental school which is kind of crazy right so uh Two massive black holes, billions of light years away, collided and ate each other. They were so massive that when they collided, it released a ginormous gravity wave. A gravity wave uh, traveling, I guess, at the speed of light. And it was traveling for billions and billions of years, kind of just like a ripple in the, in the fucking surface of the water, to where it finally hit us and this thing detected it. Wow. You know, and it proved the existence of gravity waves because before a couple of years ago, we didn't know if it was a wave or a particle called a graviton. Mm -hmm. And a lot of scientists were adamant it was a graviton. Well, Bob Lazar, talking about 1980, you got three types of gravity waves. You got gravity a, wave A, gravity wave B, gravity wave C. That's how these things operate. They warp gravity and it's essentially creating a wormhole. So it warps whatever point in space you want it kind of bends space time to bring it here and then it kind of like slows down sp or space or stretches it out behind you so you kind of just like it's like pulling a carpet and like pulling that part of the carpet here it's literally a wormhole yeah you know dude that's fascinating so clearly you've nerded out on this stuff oh yeah <laughs> i'm not so up to speed on the gravity waves but um if we were able to use these would we have to time is it at our discretion that we can go to mars in a second tomorrow or do we have to wait for the next gravity wave to hit us, which could be two years from now? No. So these craft, apparently, the ones that he was working on, his job was to reverse engineer how it worked. And as far as they could tell, they couldn't figure out how to reproduce it with our own engineering. Because apparently even just the, the craft metals itself are so far advanced because they're layers of metal that are one nanometer thick. You know what I'm saying? And so, and it's just... <laughs> You know, so things like that. Uh, and so, but he said it ran, the fuel source was element 115, which on the periodic table, they all have a number. The periodic table, I don't know how much you know about it, but like we could predict where element 115 would go on the periodic table, but we were up to like element 110 or something at the time. Mm -hmm. We had no idea that element 115 was humanly possible to exist, right? But he's talking about it like, Element 115 is the fuel source on this. Well, anyways, in 2004, uh, element 115 was finally synthesized in a lab. It only lasted about like 0.4 seconds because it's highly unstable, but he had a stable block metal version of it you could hold in your hand. It wasn't radioactive. It was stable. It was the fuel source. So apparently you shine, you, when you basically fire electrodes at it or whatever, 
it creates gravity waves and you could bend gravity in space time. And he said his first day on the job, um, they kind of fired it up and they said, okay, try to touch the little, it's like a little glow, like a half globe on a table. And apparently when you put it down or something, it fires up or whatever. They said, okay, good, try to touch it. And he tries to touch it, but it's repelling him. It's anti-gravity. And so it literally uses a gravity wave and 115 is a fuel source. So anyways, that's kind of how they're warping it. So they don't have to ride a gravity wave in, in space, you know? I got you. Dude, this is so advanced and so fascinating. So Bob Lazar was probably doing it, what, decades ago? Yeah, this is 1980s. So by now, man, we've got supercomputers that now we know. We, we always know the government and the military have technologies yeah. decades before you know the civilians have it. Well, the crazy thing he said on Joe Rogan's podcast was one of, he said, we have nine flying saucers at the time in, in our possession at Area 51. And he was what? working on one of them. And he called it the sport model because it looked more sleek than the other ones. And so literally he said he's pretty sure from his briefings, one of the flying saucers they had was from an archaeological dig, meaning it was buried and it's ancient. It's been here on Earth for thousands of years Yikes. and we have it in our possession. And it's a flying fucking saucer that warps Yikes. gravity. Wow. Man, just to think how late humans are to the game yeah. of technology and these saucers have been around thousands of years. Where are those civilizations now? Like, what are they doing? What have they done with all this knowledge? Yeah. With this universal power? Yeah. And if you had the power to not even go from, like, this end of the galaxy to the other end of the same galaxy, but to go from this galaxy to another end of the galaxy billions of light years away, like, what kind of knowledge do they have? Oh, my goodness. I want to know if there's, like, an intergalactic trade, like in, like, in Star Wars or something. Do they all know each other? Is there is there an encyclopedia like a Pokédex like from Pokemon like I just look oh that's the this civilization from this galaxy is there something that knows all of it you know and they're just tracking them all that would be fascinating that would be fascinating as heck and you could sign up to be starship troopers yeah. for your portion of the defense of the of the treaties and, and the galaxies yeah oh man that would be very fascinating yeah hell yeah. I have to piss <laughs> really bad. So, dude, this is a great podcast. Yeah, bro. I loved uh, I loved kind of just how it was everywhere. But thank you, man, for coming on. Thank you for having me on, yeah. as always. We'll have to make you a regular guest now that you're local. <laughs> I'd love to, man. I'd love to spend more time with you and to be on your show. I appreciate it. Of course, man. All right, guys. Well, if you if these guys want to check you out, do you want to shout out your Instagram or something or your website? Yeah, so my website is antiagingHacks.net and my Instagram is at anti-aging hacks and i put together a lot of tips and tricks for how you men and women can love look younger and feel better as you get older so check it out hell yeah all right man well peace out guys <laughs> peace